Christ is the Lamb of God. Christ is the forgiveness. He is the priest. He is the King. And He is forever our hope. Are you in? Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. Great to be worshiping with you, Summit Point, and fired up to be going after our God. It is much about Jesus Christ. That's why we rally together. And all of God's people said, Amen. Huge deal that we go after it. So whether you're joining us online or you're here in person, may we constantly go after a worship of Jesus Christ. You know, we're in a series here called Greater. We're talking about Jesus, my sacrifice. Now, as you actually go back over all of Hebrews, all three of our series have been greater. And then we're looking at a different facet of Christ in each one. Greater, that Jesus, my God, right? King over all. And then greater, Jesus, my high priest, And now greater Jesus, my sacrifice, the Lamb of God. And we have hope in Him. So as we dive into Hebrews, there is so much to get about who Christ is and how we can worship Him. I just want to say this. I know there's a lot of times where you dive into Hebrews, especially chapters 7 through 10. There's a lot of depth there, and there's a lot of looking back into the Old Testament. It can get maybe even a little heavy where you're like, "Eh, maybe that's a little too difficult. I just want to say this. Let's take this challenge on. It's a lot like if you walked into a bookstore and you just took a book off the shelf and you open it up to like chapter 13 and you start reading there and it's got information. It's like, and then Bill went and and you're like, who is that guy? And I don't even know who this is. And and all of a sudden it declared, this is too hard. And putting the book back on the shelf when really all we did is miss the first 12 chapters. You know what I mean? And so a lot of Hebrews is about making sure you capture all of what came before the new covenant. That's the Old Testament and some of the story that's going on there. And so picture this. So a lot of times we'll go and we'll start watching maybe some series on TV and maybe it's the next season opens up and you're like, I can barely remember what happened, right? And so what's the one thing they give you? They always run a trailer. And when they're running the trailer, they're giving you a little bit of information and a little bit of understanding of some of what happened before and some of the key players and how they interacted so that this episode will now make sense to you, right? That said, I'm your trailer, Okay, so we're going to run a little bit of trailer each week, and we did that last week as we began to enter in on Hebrews 7, and a little bit today, although it's a lighter element today, but good for us to understand some of the Old Testament and some of what's going on so that Hebrews can make like a deeper, richer sense to us, okay? So as we dive into it today, a little bit of a trailer moment for you, you got to picture back Old Testament and some of what God gave there, the law. And the structure of how things were coming down, remember we had Abraham and underneath we had the 12 tribes. The 12th tribe is the tribe of Levi and under them was all of the the priests that came. And remember they were priests not because there was something great about them, but they were priests because they were just blood lineage. They were born after their dad who was a priest. And so now they're a priest, right? It was all just the ancestry, the lineage that ended up making it happen. And so they ended up being priests under this Old Testament law. And here's how it kind of worked. When you were a person who wanted to actually have your sins covered, you would come to the priest, you would come with a sacrifice, you would give this spotless lamb to the priest, and you'd be like, here's what's going on, here's what needs to be covered. The priest would take that lamb and would sacrifice that lamb, and then on behalf of you would enter into the tabernacle, praying for like all of Israel and for their different pieces. They did a huge time once a year, and then kind of on a daily basis as you need sin covered. And so you always had God over there. 
God in the tabernacle over there, and the priest could approach for you. Here's the catch. Remember, they were priests because of their ancestry. They were just blood lineage, and there wasn't anything great about them. And so here's a little bit of the problem. Sometimes those priests, let's just be frank, sometimes those priests were morons. Like they had some major problems in their life. They were sinners too, and they lived horribly. And if you go back and read the Old Testament, you run into some horrible priest representatives. Can you imagine? You're one of the Israelites, and you're like, okay, here's my sin, and here's my struggle, and I got to go, I got to go to that guy, the guy who's got a mess of a life going on, and he's supposed to represent, and I can't really approach God. God's over there in the tabernacle, and the priest is the one who would go, and that priest is so limited by his sin, and so limited by his need for forgiveness as well, and now I'm distanced, and that's my one representative. Like that would have been a lot of Old Testament experience, God over there, right? And so as they ended up entering into this new covenant moment, the author of Hebrews is like, you need to understand the hope we have in Christ. And as they began to talk about God with you, like God right here, in fact, this now, your body can be called the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in you, and you're like, no, No, man, the temple's over there and God is there and only the priest can enter. No, you're actually allowed to be called a priest and the presence of God with you and the high priest is Christ himself. It is a feeling that is massively against what was Old Testament. And so as the author of Hebrews now is walking through the end of seven, he's like, remember all that was broken and celebrate all that we have. That's the trailer. All right, so that's where we're headed as we dive in today. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 20. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 20. And uh, the first point is come, come to Jesus, the only priest established with an oath from God. Come to Jesus, the only priest established with an oath from God. Now, this passage is going to pick up having talked about Jesus as the high priest, the one and only, and here we go. It says, and it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath, but this one was made a priest by an oath, by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. Let's just hold right there. It says, and it was not without. You hear in the double negative? Not without. So it's like it was with. Everybody say with. So it was with an oath that Jesus was actually made high priest. With an oath, God the Father making clear this new covenant. It says, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. Like in the Old Testament, remember Abraham, the 12 tribes, the tribe of Levi, it wasn't some special oath where God's like, do you see the greatness of this one I'm making them priests? No, it was just blood lineage. They were just born and their dad used to be a priest, so they're being raised up to be a priest. There was no oath, it was just ancestry, right? And he's like, so there were the ones who came as priests before, but they weren't there because of an oath. It says, but this one... Everybody say, that's Jesus. Right, this one, Jesus, was made a priest by an oath. Like God the Father promised him to us. God the Father making clear that we have something because of Jesus Christ's greatness, because of his perfection, because of his otherness, 
We have something with him and the father promising this one will be high priest forever. It says, by the one who said to him, God the father now writing this out and recording it, by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. God the father, he has sworn, he has made a promise, he has made an oath and he will not change his mind. Kind of echoing like Malachi 3, 6, where it says, I am the Lord your God. I change not. Like that's what we need to anchor into is God is absolutely to be trusted. God the Father, he is our hope in every facet and he does not change. It's not like he gets whimsical about things and then all of a sudden goes, ah, never mind. And like, not that. Absolutely to be trusted. And God the Father, he promising out and he does not change his mind. It says, here's what he said, you are a priest forever. So again now, quoting that same verse, if you remember from last week and from Hebrews 5 and from early Hebrews 7, the same Psalm 110 verse 4 being quoted out. And in Psalm 110 verse 4, it does say that the Messiah would be a priest forever. Jesus being called out now as a priest forever. Forever. Everybody just say forever. Don't miss that. It's going to be a huge point. And he's like, look, I've made my decision. Jesus in his absolute stunning perfection is worthy. So the father says, I promise him to you and it will never, ever change. Priest forever. Jesus Christ promised to be on our behalf, both in the moment here and now in the midst of our struggles day by day and forevermore, Jesus Christ, our King. It says, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. Like he's making sure that this covenant is better than the old covenant. And we gotta be careful how we say that with some respect. Let's look back at the old covenant for a moment. Like the old covenant revealed what sin is. That's not a bad thing. The old covenant was making clear what is sin. The old covenant even did more than that, made it clear that we came up short of that. And so it makes clear that there's sin. It makes clear that we've come up short. Old covenant even made clear that there could be forgiveness of sins. In fact, showing this model of a lamb that could be sacrificed and blood covering some kind of symbol in that. And so, yes, there's sin, and yes, we've come up short, and yes, there can be forgiveness, all in the Old Testament law. Those aren't bad things, but the reality is, as we looked at last week, it cannot change us and perfect us. The law is just a set of rules, and it leaves us short. And so, while there is forgiveness, the new covenant brings so much more. And actually, it says in the new covenant that we do end up understanding under Christ, we also see what sin is. We also see that we've come up short, just like in the old. We also see that there can be forgiveness. But now the forgiveness is not some physical lamb. The forgiveness is Jesus Christ himself, the lamb of God. Spotless and perfect in every way, Jesus Christ. We get to see him as lamb of God. We get to see him as the high priest, not a bunch of human beings who hit and miss and, and fall apart at times, and, but absolute perfection high priest with absolute perfection of the stunning gift of himself and give, given a cross to God the Father because Jesus Christ is king of kings overall. The hope that we have is that we have perfection being offered up 
not just recognition of the sin and forgiveness, but perfection. And more than that, we have a king stepping in who is going to guarantee it forever. There's not some short-lived moment with some broken down priest. This is a long-term forever high priest, Jesus Christ. May God get all the glory and all of God's people said, huge deal that we grasp it. And, uh, you know, it's a huge deal that we grasp. That's a better covenant. Uh, yeah, permanency and, and forgiveness with absolute perfection being brought in. Yeah, that's better. And Jesus Christ ushering that in. You know, this past week, um, we had a, kind of a different set of events going on in our home. Uh, we were actually preparing for a little bit of a battle. Uh, Jana was supposed to have surgery on Wednesday. So if you remember a year ago, she had surgery on her left Achilles and they had to like take a tendon from the foot and kind of strengthen that tendon up and kind of lengthen the calf muscle. And it was, it was a brutal recovery, you know, three plus months, probably closer to six by the time she was really able to get up and move in, in a good way. And that was last year's left foot. So this year was supposed to be the right foot. It was actually hereditary. And so she was supposed to get that done. And so we were set for that to come down. And just hours before the surgery, uh, she got a call saying, hey, just so you know, uh, all elective surgeries at Proctor are off for this week for sure, but in general, off. All elective surgeries are off, so surgery's canceled. And so if you were looking down front and you're seeing Jana down here, that's not because she's that tough and she's walking on an Achilles surgery. She actually had that canceled. And so now it's like, now what? And uh, we're trying to figure it out over the next few days. We were processing through where do we go? How's this going to work? When does this fall in place? And if it comes too late, it might mean it has to push a year or more. We'll have to see. And, and uh, because of just timing on her life and where things are at. And so we were trying to figure some things out. And uh, as we were walking that through, she ended up getting another call from Proctor. And they're like, okay, we're trying to reschedule some things now. And so we're looking to schedule out for somewhere in mid-February. Can we schedule that? And so they ended up picking a date in mid-February there and got it set down. And John is like, okay, that's great. Can I ask you a question? She says to the nurse, so how certain is this? Like, what are we talking here with this? And the nurse goes, well, let's put it this way. Probably 50-50. That was it. Like 50-50 was the level of promise, right? And, and with all that's going on, you understand they had a ton of nurses that were out sick and just a lot of things going on. And the best that she could give is like a 50-50 schedule. Can we just say this? When our God speaks, he is 100-0. And all of God's people said, absolutely to be trusted, absolutely certain in what's going on. Look, man, we as human beings, we don't know the future. So we're just trying to schedule. God is not just throwing a schedule together. God is not just putting a contract together where one side could fail and the whole thing falls apart. God is putting covenant together. It is his word and he does not change. May God get all the glory. It's a huge deal. God says, I am the Lord, your God, and I change not. Man, are you leaning on that king? Are you coming to that king? who is ruling in this world, who is our high priest overall, who is our lamb sacrifice in absolute perfection, are you coming to the one who is 100% trustworthy? Are you in? Super important that we give our lives to the king 
and let him lead. How are you doing at coming to the one called Jesus? Okay. Point number two. Point number two. Believe. Believe in Jesus, the only sinless priest ever to exist. Believe in Jesus, the only sinless priest ever to exist. Starts out, the former priests were many in number. And uh, there were a lot of priests before. Remember, we had the uh, Abraham, we have the 12 tribes. We got the tribe of Levi and all of these priests coming through blood lineage. So everybody having a kid, like they have the chance now to become a priest. There were all these priests. Why? Why would you need multiple priests? Well, he goes on to answer it. He says, because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. Now, maybe that seems a little obvious to you, like when someone passes away, their work on earth is done, right? But he's saying more than that. He's like, listen, they're not going up to heaven. They're not going to be with God Almighty, and they continue in some priestly role for you there. That's not happening. There was a moment of human interaction here on earth, but as they pass away, that role is done. The priest role for them stops. Now, they would hand it on to the next, and so they were kind of building up, if you will, sort of, if you want to think of it in business terms, they were building a pipeline. Like, if guys are going to pass away, we ought to have a successor, and so they ended up with multiple priests prepped and knowing and understanding and exchanging roles and place so that they could understand along the way. And then, as one would pass away, one could step up to that role. He's like, just so we're clear, they... If they passed away, the title of priest was done. There was still an honor and a respect for them and appreciation for a role they had, but they were no longer interacting on behalf of men and interfacing for them. That was done. And uh, it says, but he, right, everybody say that's Jesus, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. And this is super important that we grasp, that Jesus Christ, as he died on the cross and rose again, he first offered himself as lamb. He became the complete and perfect sacrifice. And as he then rose from the dead, obviously having eternity as a part of him because he's God, but more than that now, in his humanity, taking on this glorified human body that will never, ever, ever, ever die again. There is no death in Jesus Christ. There is eternal life in him alone, both in the human physical sense and in the divine sense. He is God Almighty. And in his massive authority and power, with this life eternal as a part of him, it says he will be a priest permanently. Why? Well, because first he became the sacrifice. And once he rose from the dead, then he becomes the high priest And now he will never die, and a priest only gives up their office when they die. He's like, heads up, this one will never die. This high priest will represent you with perfection and glory forever, Jesus Christ. He is your hope. Do you notice how he's tying it to Old Testament? And he's showing how it was, but he's showing how everything is fulfillment in Christ. Christ becomes the lamb that was used in old. Now he is the absolutely perfect divine lamb. 
Christ becomes the priest before lame, broken, humble, human, needing sin confession themselves. This one, perfect. Those could die. This one will never die. Jesus Christ, lamb and high priest, and on top of it, king of kings over all. Man, this is a huge fulfillment of the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the first 12 chapters of the book, if you want to say it that way, if you look at the book and you look at the story and it starts at the beginning, just know this as it's running through, it's pointing to this one. And this book from beginning to end is all about Jesus Christ. Man, as we dive into the book, may we look for the greatness of Christ in our lives. And the author of Hebrews here is like, this is what it is. He is amazingly our high priest forever. And then he says, consequently, consequently, that's like a really advanced way of saying, therefore, right? And when we see the therefore, we say, yeah, like, what's it there for? What is this connecting word connecting to? And it's like, since Jesus is high priest, and since he will never die, and since he is perfect, since he will not lose the priesthood, because of that, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. He is able to save to the uttermost. Notice it does not just stop at save. He is able to save. No, he's able to save to the uttermost. It is something that affects both the here and now and something that affects for eternity. This is true salvation. This is admitting that you are a sinner. This is believing that Jesus is risen from the dead and confessing him as Lord. He says that if those who draw near to God, well, then they're the ones that taste of the salvation. If you admit you're a sinner, if you believe he is risen, he is alive, and if you confess him as Lord in charge, and then that brings on salvation. But it's more than just eternal salvation. There is this drawing near that takes place for an eternity, but there's also the drawing near in the moment. And he starts right after it. He says, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He's like, he will be your high priest moment by moment by moment by moment forever. You are never alone. First John chapter 2 verse 1 says that he actually stands as an advocate on our behalf right here in this broken world. Jesus for me. And moment by moment as he stands on our behalf, as we draw close to him, him bringing an intercession and a closeness with him, we have an amazing privilege along the way. Yes, to be eternally saved, and yes, to be rocked in the right here and now, drawing near. You know, I just want to say this. It can be really easy to misunderstand the word draw near. And uh, so let's make sure we get a little bit of an explanation to it. So I thought I'd just put kind of a word picture on it. All right, draw near. So what does that look like? Imagine you're on like the river of life, okay? So it's a river. And, and so you have a canoe that you're in, in this river of life. And now the first thing we usually do when we get in a canoe, the very first thing you do is you like grab a paddle and you're like getting ready to start paddling or pushing off the ground or whatever you're doing, you immediately go to the paddle. That's probably not the best example of drawing near. Draw near. So let's put three words to what drawing near looks like when you're climbing in the canoe and going down the river of life. Ready? First one, pray, pray. 
Now, I know a lot of people would think as soon as you get in the canoe, it should start with the word paddle, but it's not. Pray. You're spending time with your God communicating with him. You're thanking him for who he is. You're in awe of who he is. You're celebrating what he's doing. You're giving over problems that are so overwhelming to you, you're giving it to him. Maybe even taking a moment in that praying time to open up to God's word and walk it through. Man, each morning, spending a little bit of time with your God, praying out to him, thanking and praising a little bit of time in his word. You know, we've got these reading plans that we have around here. You can get it online or through our church app. And it gives just a little bit of a passage to read each day that looks back to the prior Sunday's message. So all week this week, we'll be looking back to this Sunday. And being able to go through that reading plan and just check out a little bit there, just like see who your God is as you're praying to him and reading his word. Spend some time in active prayer, right? Huge deal. Maybe that reading plan isn't working best for you. Maybe something else, you grab the book of John or whatever, and you go half chapter at a time or a chapter at a time. Whatever it is, you're spending time with your God. Next word, not just pray, but now pause. And you might think, well, I thought that's where I'd probably grab the paddle. Not yet. Pause. Just taking a moment with your God. Let's say it this way. Make your bed every morning when you wake up the canoe. And as you wake up, it's some time in the word. It's some time praying with your God. It's some time now pausing. What is that pausing? It's taking a few minutes, two, three, five minutes, whatever it is, to just take him in. Breathe in his greatness and say, thank you, God. Maybe even putting your hands on your lap and just saying, okay, Lord, I'm ready to receive from you. I don't even know what I need to hear today, but you're in charge. Quiet and pause. If you're going to draw near, let him speak. As you get close to your God and you let the Holy Spirit move and watch God work. So first is this praying piece, then this pausing piece, Now you can grab the paddle, right? It's time to get up and it's time to go after work for the day. And what does it look like as you begin to go? And make sure you're handing this to your God as you go and all throughout your day, praying and pausing and then paddling. All too often we get so active in our moving that we go after paddle, 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 paddle. And we may even throw a prayer out like, God help, paddle, paddle, paddle. And that's all we do. Not that. Drawing near is spending moments with your God and letting him move in your life. Pray and pause and then paddle as it makes sense. May God get all the glory. He says, may we draw near to him, admitting we're a sinner, believing he is risen, confessing him as Lord, and now praying, pausing, and paddling. May God get all the glory, okay? Huge deal. He then says, for it was fitting that we should have such a high priest. And he begins now to talk about the greatness of Jesus Christ. In fact, he even talks about the spotlessness of Jesus Christ. So as he's talking about him as fitting for high priest, he's also now gonna be alluding to fitting as sacrifice, lamb of God. He begins to talk about him and he says, He is holy 
and innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Let's just break each of these words down. Holy. You know, there's two words in the Greek for holy, and this one speaks not to set apart to kind of glorify God. This one speaks to character inside. Holy. Stunning, perfect character. That's what it's saying of him. Unbelievably perfect. And then it says, innocent, like he never hurt another person. He was never a bad influence. He never used the wrong words. He was never too aggressive. He was never too passive. He was innocent in how he interacted with others. Undefiled, never morally stained, no sin. Hebrews 4.15 says that Jesus was sinless. This is who Jesus is. Holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners. Like on the one hand, yes, clothed with humanity, but on the other hand, no sin. So no death. So no bringing pain into this world, only covering sin like none of us could do. Jesus Christ. And then it says, and exalted above the heavens. He truly is greater. He was raised up above the angels. He truly is the creator king, greater. Jesus Christ. Now, if you take this covenant with Jesus, who is uh, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens, now let's go look at the Old Testament priest. Holy? Not even close. Like human, sinful on a lot of fronts. Innocent? No. Brought hurt and pain along the way. Undefiled? No, they actually need to cover their own sin. We're going to see that in a second. Separated from sinners. No, they were a sinner, just like us. And exalted above the heavens. No. The Old Testament priest was a look, a, a kind of a symbol pointing forward. But Jesus Christ was that with all stunning perfection. Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb and the perfect high priest who will never pass away. It says... He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for their own sins and then for the sins of the others. The old high priests had to actually sacrifice for their own sin first because they were sinful people. But Jesus Christ doesn't have to do that. There is no need for him to be covering his own sin. And so he literally gets to provide. And they had to provide daily, but Jesus Christ will provide once. It says, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. He did this once for all. It's super important we grasp. He was brought along a progression as he laid himself down as lamb and then rose again. He now becomes the lamb's sacrifice for us, available to now be the high priest. And as that sacrifice was made, it covers us, not just for the day, like the priests, as they sacrificed in the Old Testament, it would be moment by moment, repeat, moment by moment, repeat. This is a once for all sacrifice. Everybody just say once for all. That's our hope in Jesus Christ. Because he is spotless, because he is perfect, because there is none other like him, his sacrifice is good for all people for all time. Jesus Christ. And I just put it this way, Jesus' suffering, well, it completed his journey. He became the Lamb of God for you and for me as he went to the cross. But more than that, and with that sacrifice, he now covers my sin. 
as we draw near, as we admit and believe and confess, there is salvation and salvation forever. It then says, for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests. Old Testament, these are weak priests with a lot of mistakes and they had their own sin and they had to cover for them. It says, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Jesus Christ, absolutely perfect in who he is, stunning in his glory, God in charge. Do you know this king? Are you ready to believe in this one who is the perfect fulfillment of the Old Testament? He is the lamb of God, our sacrifice, spotless and sinless. He is more than the lamb. He is the high priest who then takes that sacrifice and brings it before God the Father. We have hope because of him, day by day and forever. And more than high priest, he is king over all. Jesus Christ, he is the perfect fulfillment of all things Old Testament. And he is our hope forevermore. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, know this man, he is coming again. And when he comes, when he returns, we will be looking into the face of the almighty perfect lamb of God. And we will be able to cry out with all we've got, behold, the lamb of God, the one who took away my sin. I have hope because of him. Jesus Christ, he is perfect. He is spotless. He is ever present. And we can draw near. Do you know that King? May we pray. May we pause. And then paddle. All for the glory of God. And all of God's people said, let's pray. 